Hello, and welcome to Anime Audio Commentary. Today I'll be commenting on episode 13 of Spy Family. If you'd like to watch along, then start watching now. So as is obligatory, we kind of have to go over a quick little recap here. You know, there's a bit of a Cold War brewing between Ostania and West Dallas. There's all sorts of political intrigue going on, and the only way to resolve any of this is for a spy to get his pretend daughter into a school, into an imperial scholarship, you know, being the top of her class, so that the spy can schmooze with the the would-be political saboteur in high society. So this sort of leads to a situation where a spy, an assassin, and a telepath have to pretend to be a makeshift family while all trying to uh, make their own goals a reality. And they all sort of conflict in various ways. You know, a spy dedicated to the preservation of his country, an assassin who kills people to make ends meet, and a telepath who just wants a family. Now that's a pretty nifty opening we just saw. I gotta say, I don't really like the music as much as I did like the first opening. But I really did like the visuals of it. It was very upbeat and it had like the sort of autumn theme to it. Like, thinking about it, the only thing I didn't really like about it is that it's sort of spoiling a little bit. Namely, that business with the dog. You know, that sort of being like the cliffhanger we'd left off on. Anya wants to get a dog for getting that Stella Star as a reward. And, you know, there's going to be this whole hullabaloo about, oh, what kind of dog does she want? You know, spoiler alert, it's the white dog in the opening. At the same time, you know, I feel like they kind of have to include the dog, considering he does become Anya's dog. But at the same time, like, It's the center of a little bit of stuff that's going on. I mean, given that I'm relatively caught up on the manga, so I know what's going to happen, you know, it's not a big deal for me. But if you're going into this, you know, 
for your first time, you're not familiar with the source material, it's it's one of those things that I feel would um, annoy me ever so slightly. But you know what? That's really neither here nor there. That's like the tiniest of nitpicks I could manage to find. You know, I had to break out the tweezers for that one. You know, I don't recall if I mentioned it in episode 12, but it was sort of weird how they left off the cliffhanger, how they had, you know, the prospect of Anya getting a dog as a reward, and then they had, for want of a better term, a filler episode. I believe it was adapting one of, like, the smaller bonus chapters, but, you know, I feel like they could have reversed the order without much difficulty. So, unfortunately... Lloyd, uh, I don't think he's really thought ahead too much here. You know, the obvious idea is that you get your fancy spy organization to fence you like a militarily trained and raised dog. The idea being it would be good for home defense, too. But, you know, dogs like that I don't think would necessarily make for good pets. Oh, dear. You know, I feel like Lloyd can really never catch a break. You know, he's trying to do something for the sake of Operation Strix, and he is simultaneously getting new orders from the handler. <laughs> uh, thank God for Anya. You know, she saves his pitiful lie, but at the cost of getting scolded for using foul language... It's rather unfortunate, you know. No good deed goes unpunished. So things are rather dire indeed, you know. I think this is sort of like the first really big thing that might have real consequences. Because, you know, everything up until now has been fairly low stakes. But these guys, these terrorists here, are trying to kill... A politician, and they seem to be prepared to use some rather underhanded means to do so. And it would seem that Twilight's set of skills here is what's needed to sort of crack this case open. Yeah, now that line Lloyd had about, you know, a kid like this being a terrorist and like, boy, these are dark times, that's really a prescient thing for him to say for reasons that are not quite clear to the audience at this point, but I'm wondering if they're playing a little foreshadowing game there. Man, so it seems as though uh, Keith is selling this guy up the river, but given that Twilight is a master of disguise and they rushed him to headquarters, it seems like they're playing a bit of a clever game here to try and trick this guy into divulging information. You know, based on what we've seen of him, you know, given that he's a kid and not particularly serious looking, it seems like he's just a 
low-level grunt, you know, he wouldn't know a whole lot about the operation, but he would know enough to sort of spill the beans on everyone else. You know, enough to hopefully avert whatever's going to happen. Seems like all these guys' names start with K. I'm wondering if this is merely like a coincidence, a bit of an oversight, or, you know, the author's playing silly games here, or if they're all just sort of like code names. So here's their wicked plan. They've got trained dogs, they're gonna strap bombs to them, and they're gonna sort of send the dogs after the politician. You know, I feel like something like that was tried in World War II, where they would sort of, um, strap bombs. Well, maybe not bombs, but, like, listening devices onto animals to act as spies. And there was, um, moderate to negligible effectiveness as a result of this, you know. Notably, like, cats just not caring at all. You know, you put a microphone on that guy, and he just sort of wanders off and does what he wants, rather than doing anything important. So this puts everybody in a bit of a bind, considering that their plan seems to have enough merit to freak everybody out. You know, obviously, calling everything off would cause reputational or political damage in one way or another. But at the same time, they obviously can't allow this plan to go through. But it seems like, you know, the idea of having trained dogs with bombs and a whole pack of them to boot you know, like, dealing with dogs is no mean feat, because, like, they're fast. If you train them to track somebody, they can darn well do it. So speaking of dogs, these seem like two such dogs. You know, here we have that fluffy white dog from the opening. It's safe to say that, uh, you know, maybe this dog isn't too keen on going along with the plan. Man, you know, that's gotta be a scary thing, a dog running up and biting your child. Although, in this instance, it ended up being good. You know, the fluffy white dog saved that kid from a falling sign. You know, purposefully or in inadvertently. It's not really clear at this point. But, you know, things could have ended up very different. If the dog had been a pit bull, that kid would be dead. And not because of the sign. So it seems like, uh, yeah, these guys are definitely in on the plan, but it seems like they're... Maybe scatterbrained isn't the right word, but they're not these highly trained professionals that have the dogs on a tight leash, so to speak. Uh-oh, you're, you're thinking about things too hard. You know, why didn't Lloyd bring us here first if there are so many more choices? Don't think about it too hard. <laughs> so you're sort of making Anya promise not to leave the area with the dogs. 
I have to wonder why she's making the promise if she doesn't intend to sort of like walk away and not directly watch Anya. I mean, knowing her tendencies to sort of get into trouble, I feel like Yor should be keeping Anya on a leash. But... Oh, you know what? There we have it. Yor turns her back ever so briefly, and just like that, Anya's like, yeah, I'm gonna do my own thing. Of course she has good reason to. You know, she's reading that dog's mind, and that dog is seeing... Her and her parents. You know, that's got to be a bit of a head-scratcher for a kid. Even a kid who's reasonably intelligent and telepathic. You know, why would a dog have already seen us? Yeah, and you know, it makes sense that Anya couldn't bring this up either without being found out. At least in her own mind, you know. You know, hey, Mom, I saw this dog that already knows us. You know, it's like, well, how do you know? It's like, uh, <laughs> I mean, I feel like Yor and Lloyd would be more willing to write that off to a kid with an active imagination, as kids are wont to do, but... You know, being a kid, Anya sort of jumps to the wrong conclusion with absolute authority. So I feel like, on Anya's part, this was a spectacularly poor course of action to undertake, going into a strange building just because you saw a dog that seemingly knows you. Worse yet, she seems to be uh, getting a big ol' earful of this bomb plot. So this is one of the things I really like about Spy Family, in that, as things become more and more intriguing, Anya has no agency, but knows what's going on. And she knows other people who do have agency, but she can't tell them all that she knows for fear of being found out. So the best she can really do is sort of, like, hint and come up with excuses to get them to discover things to do things to stop the bad guys. Man, she's really in a pickle this time. You know, that Keith guy means serious business, and he really looks like he's about to fillet her. So the dog seems to know something's going on, and he's not content to just sit around. But... I find it interesting that some of these guys, these would-be terrorists, aren't willing to let this Keith guy just sort of like slit her throat, at least not out of hand. You know, they might be willing to bomb people, but they're not murderers, in a weird sort of way. You know, it makes me think like they're just sort of stupid people who got caught up in this bigger business. Now, unfortunately for Anya, although this dog did come to help her, he seems to be a lot more bark than bite.
I mean, I guess props to the dog for coming to defend Anya, even though he's not willing to get bashed with a pipe. So back to Yor, you know, she turned around for a couple seconds and Anya has vanished. And given that she now has a bird's eye view of everything, it seems like Anya really has vanished. Like, she's nowhere in sight. Naturally, this means there's some sort of elaborate kidnapping plot going on. Now, that's one of the things I like about Yor, too. She... I don't know. She doesn't have a whole lot of experience or common sense. She just sort of jumps to conclusions. And when you pair that with her prodigious skills as, as an assassin, uh, you know, that's a recipe for disaster if she really uh, jumps to the wrong conclusion. You know, it's a nice kind of disaster. It's a disaster that advances the plot and is very entertaining. And I think this is really the best part, you know, she still thinks that Lloyd's in the bathroom, so, you know, pretending to be the dutiful wife, she has to find his kid before he gets back. Otherwise, you know, he might divorce her and then she'll be found out. You know, I think it's a very interesting dynamic that everybody has a goal they're working towards and something they feel they have to hide. And in doing so, that causes them to sort of behave weirdly around each other. It's almost like a farce in that regard. Alright, so it seems like we're getting a little bit of dog lore here. Good old Project Apple in Ostania. They seemingly genetically modified a bunch of animals to make them more intelligent for... Reasons unknown, presumably to use them as intelligence-gathering assets. And it seems like when the project was dissolved, rather than euthanizing the animals, they just sort of sold them off in the black market. So these hyper-intelligent animals are probably disseminated out in the public. You know, who knows where, doing who knows what. It kind of puts me in mind of uh, Ayn from Cowboy Bebop. Because I seem to recall he was sort of like the same kind of deal. He was like an illegally genetically modified data dog or something. So the difference here between this white dog and Ayn is that he's not merely intelligent. He seems to be able to see the future. And... With him being able to see the future and Anya being able to read his mind, this sort of gives them this synergy where they can work together in unprecedented ways, you know. Something like that would almost put them on par with a group of smarter, more dangerous adults. Okay, so that guy's called Chris. His name's spelled with a C, so I guess... Uh, Keith and Kim and Kurt, that was all just a fluke. Alright, you know what, that's good. I'm glad Anya and the dog were sort of quiet about making their escape. Because you know their instinct would have been to like yell run and start running if this were anything else.
So, you know, I can already see it right now. Anya's sort of talking about how, you know, is this dog a telepath like me? And, you know, no, not quite, but there are definite similarities. So the obvious conflict that's going to come up is this dog that should have been killed after the end of Operation Apple. You know, obviously the law-abiding government, they can't allow that dog to live, can they? Even if it is Anya's new companion? You know, will they risk Operation Strix over something like this? Surely they can't if it's a matter of national security, right? But if there's one thing that government bodies like doing, it's killing dogs. So you never know. Alright, so here we go. You know, these innocent bystanders, they hear Anya screaming about being chased by bad guys, and they just chalk it up to childlike imagination, which I feel like is the natural impulse to do whenever a kid says something kind of outlandish. I mean, in this case, they do happen to be wrong. She's being chased by bomb-making terrorists who intend to kill a politician. But, you know... If you assume that's the default situation every single time a kid says something weird, you're going to drive yourself crazy out of worry. So I feel like Anya's got kind of the wrong idea about all of this. You know, she will naturally get another Stella star if she stops this bomb plot. And, I mean, perhaps, but I feel like... The best way this situation could resolve is if the general public never finds out about it. You know, knowing that everything was so close to, well, being disrupted by bombs going off. Now, this is something else that I do find rather appealing about Spy Family. Like, there's a fair bit of violence, but it's not extremely gratuitous. I mean, yeah, York kicked that guy in the face, but there wasn't really any blood, and he kind of bounced off the wall comically. And plus, you have your, you know, bursting in at the right time at the right place, but kind of for the wrong reasons.
Alright, well that's it for this episode. If you've enjoyed it, then by all means, tune in for the next one. See you, Space Cowboy.